This show is supported by three awesome Bitcoin companies. The first is Shift Crypto. They make the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin-only hardware wallet. If you're new to Bitcoin and you're looking for a way to take self-custody of your Bitcoin, which you absolutely should be doing, this is a very good option. It's very easy to set up. It's very easy to use. Very slick interface. A great option to get you started on your self-custody journey. From today, Thursday, November 25th to Monday, November 29th, they're having their Black Friday sale. 10% off everything in the store and 20% off a bundle that includes a Bitbox O2 Bitcoin-only hardware wallet, a steel plate for backing up your seed, three backup cards, and five tamper-evident bags. Go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapid fire to check it all out. Next up is the Bitcoin 2022 conference. The 2021 conference was amazing. One of the best experiences of my life. And it's going down again in Miami, April 6th to the 9th. But this time, instead of in Wynwood and a 13,000 person capacity, it's happening on Miami Beach and a 35,000 person capacity. I can't even begin to imagine how amazing it's going to be. There's always a ton of peripheral events and parties and extra stuff going on around the conference. And you get to meet so many awesome people at the conference itself. It really is tremendous. If you've never been to a Bitcoin conference before, this is the one to go to. So check out their website and at checkout, use the code RAPIDFIRE and get 10% off. And finally, the awesome people at bullbitcoin.com. If you're looking to buy Bitcoin in Canada, this is an amazing option. Have a look into them. They are a privacy-focused, non-custodial exchange, which means you buy Bitcoin through them, and then the Bitcoin goes directly to your own custody solution, which in my opinion is the most secure way to purchase Bitcoin. Also soon, they'll be offering a white glove service for international clients. So for people that may seem that the setting up their own custody solution is a little bit daunting, they'll be there to hold your hand to get you set up in the best way possible. So keep track of their website for updates on when those services will be available. Patrick, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. I uh, well, first of all, to all the people that that message me, you know, I got a lot of uh, DMs and stuff. And I used to do this uh, like a year ago. I used to do this more often, where I would just say, like, going live in ten minutes. Who wants to jump on a a stream? You know, and just to get to know the less well-known Bitcoiners out there, right? Because there's so many. Uh, but to all those that reached out, I'll, I'll work my way through it. I I don't know why I stopped doing these things, but they're super fun and you end up connecting with great people. So I think I'm going to do, uh, do more of them. But, um, but you hit me up and you mentioned that you had a number of uh, interests and we were just kind of talking about how a lot of uh, the interests around or held by Bitcoiners seem to overlap these days and maybe particularly obvious in the last 18 months. So I don't know where you want to get this kicked off. Maybe your, your rabbit hole uh, story is the best place to start and we'll take it from there. For sure. Uh, okay. My rabbit hole story is going to be probably similar to a lot of people's. Uh, actually, the, you know, there's those four frameworks that VJ has laid out, you know, the four, the four frameworks for understanding Bitcoin of you first come to it. Uh, the first framework is this thing is made up. It's internet money. These people are crazy. It's, it is worth $0. Your next framework is, okay, these weird libertarian minded people like this weird asset. It's like Esperanto. You know, it, they assign it a certain value. Your next group of people say, okay, I see the comparison to gold. You know, they assign it a value with its supplanting gold. Then you have your, I guess we'll call it maximalists who would say, look, this is the base layer monetary system of the world and infinite number go up. Uh, 
So what brought me in was probably 2017. Actually, maybe the first time I heard about it, I think Ross Ulbricht went to high school at Westlake High School here in Austin, which is like a stone's throw from my office. Um, so I'd heard about the Silk Road when that happened. It was kind of like people in this area talked about this kid who went to high school here and he got caught up in bad stuff. And, you know, I heard the word Bitcoin and I just thought, you know, that's bizarre. And I didn't really think much about it. Um, but, but I would say before that, my rabbit hole probably started with Ron Paul in 2008. Um, you know, I, I started, you know, I'm an attorney, but I started reading Henry Hazlitt, Hayek, all these things. And it really resonated with me. And, you know, the gold bug thing, when he talked about sound money, I didn't know what that meant. And I just read, just curious, reading about it. And it, and it resonated. It made sense. It seemed logical. And, uh, you know, so then bring it up to 2017. I mean, I played around with gold a little bit, held on to it and never really thought much of it. Guns and gold. That's what it is in Texas. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, so 2017, you know, the, the price is appreciating rapidly with Bitcoin. It's in the news. So I just number go up. I'm going to go buy this thing. It's going to go up and I'm going to sell it to some sucker when it at the top. So I rode this thing from maybe I go in at 9,000. It goes to 20. Oh, and in that I bought Litecoin and Ripple, right? It goes up to 20. The whole thing crashes. I never <laughs> sold anything. I just held it all. So I don't know the next entry point. And then I just I had the Coinbase account, never touched it again. Uh, never messed with it. That, that Bitcoin and Litecoin and what Ripple sat there. Then I came across the Bitcoin standard, the book. I don't know when, that, when would that come out? Late 18, early 19? Uh, late 18, I think it was. Or maybe it was around December. Was it late uh, 17? No, maybe late 18. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't remember, but I read that book and, I, and it was like a light bulb moment of like, wow, these are serious people. Like this is not just a, uh, like there are people that really believe this and they view this like people view gold. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, safety is so uh, like pointed in his criticism of uh, of all coins that like just out of shame, I immediately sold all my life coin <laughs> and all, all the ripple of just like, what am I doing? And at the time, too, I recall having uh, I still have a gold and silver and I, I, I sold all my silver because he's like, oh, that's the original shit coin is silver. And uh, just out of shame, I sold this stuff. Um, so from there, um, then another uh, big deal for me. So read Bitcoin Standard, got an understanding of it, you know, acquired a little more Bitcoin. Then in like, maybe, let's call it 2020, early 2020, pre-pandemic, uh, again, I've been lurking on, on Bitcoin Twitter. And throughout this time, I think Bitcoin Twitter has, was super helpful in cycling through like your handle. And you, I follow Safe and then I, you know, find Stefan Lavara and things started to come online of podcasts, your podcasts, other people's, um, Pomp Pompliano kind of, is, I think it's probably a big entry point for a lot of people, but Stefan Lavara, Preston Pish, like just started consuming this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if this is just this big feedback loop, but it is what it is. And it, it, it really resonated with me. So, uh, I reached out, I've never done this before. I DM'd Parker Lewis on Twitter. Cause I, I saw that he's in Austin and I was like, Hey man, I live in Austin. Do you still live here? I, I have like, I want to meet a human being. Like all these people talk about this online. Like I've never met another human that owned Bitcoin. And 
uh, and so my wife was like, what are you doing? Like reaching out to a stranger on Twitter, like you're going to meet this person. Like, is this safe? Uh, so I met him at Cooper's barbecue, which, you know, anybody in the Austin Bitcoin community is very familiar with. He met me there for lunch and this is pandemic is, <clears throat> is coming online at this point. It's like March, 2020. We both kind of walked in. We like, it was like, I don't know that people were wearing masks at this point. And we both kind of look at each other and he's like, ah, so we go in have lunch at Cooper's. And then I think I've heard other people say this when they have a light bulb moment is I remember sitting there talking to him. And when I got done, I just had this panic attack of like, I don't, own I don't have enough Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> like I was terrified. Um, and I thought, oh my God, I remember asking him about uh, Matt Odell because I'd read Matt Odell and I would say, this guy scares the shit out of me. Like, like he talks about privacy. Like I, none of this is non KYC, like, oh my God. And uh, anyways, it was just really reassuring to meet him. I think I met with um, another guy from, from Parker's office, Phil Geiger, who was super helpful um and you know went and had coffee with them so i think meeting a human being meeting somebody who who yeah meeting somebody was super helpful man like uh, real people then parker then i saw that they have bit devs in austin which i don't even know what that means i'm not a developer we go in and um he says come to bit devs like i go to bit devs in austin and there's maybe tw this is june maybe of 2020 so still like pandemic stuff in austin but to unchained credit man they still hosted this thing like never stopped and um went there and there was 20 people there i mean you go there today and there's like 150 it's it's bonkers right uh mm. so i think um you know and then of course you know go through and read layered money i read andy edstrom's book i thought i think uh swan uh and brady swenson and Corey Klippensick, <clears throat> there's just so much good content that wasn't there. And I think it's been tremendously helpful in um, pointing people so they can jump over, man, that like altcoin valley, the altcoin casino right. that is so tempting um, to, to chase. Did, so, did you have to convince, I mean, what was, you know, you're a rando on the internet asking Parker for lunch. Like, what was that exchange? Like, how did you convince him that, you know, this was a worthwhile use of his time? What, dude, I mean, I'll tell you something else about him. He, um, let me see. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think it was immediate. He's like, sure, man. I, like, I'd love to meet with you. It was that, it was that simple. Then, so I met with him and then probably, uh, and then I ended up becoming like, full, dis full disclosure, a, a client of Unchained. And uh, you kind of meet this community. Well, then I had told Parker, like, hey, I have a friend in town, another random guy, finance guy, business school person. Would you meet with him? And Parker's like, yeah, sure. You know, like, no questions asked. <laughs> this buddy of mine was like, man, I met your buddy Parker. I was going to go to lunch with, or grab coffee with him for like, you know, 30 minutes. He's like, I've been here for three hours. Like, this kid's blowing my mind. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and then, then more recently, I mean, again, so, so hats off to, I think Marty Bent has mentioned it, but like Parker will red pill anybody and like, mm. without fail. So there's a, a member of Congress here in Austin, uh, who is, uh, who's got, we, we've got kids at the, at the same school and he, you know, was like, man, in all fairness, like, I don't understand Bitcoin. I'm prone to support the people, but I don't know any, I, I support this community. I think like there's a lot of overlap clearly with us but I don't know anything about it. What can I do? And I called Parker and Parker like goes and has a two and a half hour lunch with him. Um, you know, so 
It's like the bat signal. You throw up the Parker signal. It's like he comes running to with the orange pill. It's tough. Uh, and then more recently, and again, I think this is to, to the point of like getting people who, uh, who did I get? I got um, another guy, Cam Stromy uh, here in Austin to come and put on a, an event at my house. And so my wife is like, this is getting super weird. Like you're hosting people at the house for, for, to talk about Bitcoin, but man, we had like 25 people show up uh, and then everybody just had a lot of, uh, and so and Cam presented for 20, 30 minutes and then like an hour and a half, two hours of like, I can't tell you how many people had these like, oh man, I'm going to get them here. Like, I got a gotcha question. And you're like, man, this is stuff that they've been talked about for like four years. Like that question has been asked and answered. Um, but anyways, it, it was a good opportunity for like, I'd say a third of these people own Bitcoin and didn't even know why they, they you know, chase a number and they own it. And I think giving a good framework for why they own it. And so anyways, it, it was, it's been good. It's like, I think the Austin community is like, is very helpful. Yeah. Well, we were talking right before we started about, uh, interacting with normie world, right? When you, the, the further you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, the more kind of divergent your your typical mind, your typical thoughts are from, you know, what populate maybe, you know, someone in the normie world, because it's just so intellectually stimulating to think about that all the different things that this thing is going to impact and influence and change. And like, as a Bitcoiner, you kind of become consumed by that and all the regular chit chat just loses its uh, luster, you know? Sure. Um, but you're in a great place, obviously in Austin, possibly the best place in the world to at least be around, you know, more Bitcoiners to, to sharpen, you know, to refine your understanding. But, you know, it's, you, you seem to have kind of taken the orange pill at an interesting time. How, how has the Bitcoin journey influenced your thinking on things, generally speaking, especially over the course of the last 18 to 24 months? Uh, I was just saying this to some friends the other day who would I get, let's call them normies. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's been a lot of space over the past 18 months, even, you know, w- within friend circles, you know, people have acted very different, you know, uh, <clears throat> anyway, so some people who I hadn't seen in a while, I mean, these are very dear friends and I'm like, man, I think, I think you're going to think I'm super weird now. I just, uh, so yeah, man, it really has, I think one of the most, um, uh, the most ground shifting things for me was in safe kind of talks about this in, in the book is, you know, as a Christian, I would have looked at the world and I, I would say, Hey, look, all these moral ills in society, like there's one answer, you know, the God, you know, that's, that's your, your church answer is like, man, these people need the gospel. Um, and then I think it has really made me think no different than people maybe with a mental illness of, you know, within within a Christian framework, people would say, man, there's there's the, the only thing that can really repair these people mentally, physically is the gospel. Well, in all fairness, like there's some people who may need medication, right? And they may need some balance. So I think when I looked at, you know, societal ills of divorce rates and poverty and the wealth gap and all these things, I would have looked and said, look, these people have unhappiness and they're poor because of, you know, they're just, it's sin and the world is broken. Well, like ignoring, just like ignoring like medication to potentially cure some of these ills, like looking at like the base layer monetary system of the world and the the inability of people to, I guess it goes back to the whole WTF in 1971, like what happened there that has caused all this? And it it all seems to generally like um, come back to, 
you know, people not being able to, to save. I mean, what, you can't build a society on spending. Um, you know, I think a lot of the riots, uh, I think somebody made, you know, I, again, it, it probably has made me way more purple in my, um, I get in the, in the States it's red and blue. And then people in the middle, they call them purple. I, I, I have definitely gone politics. How about this? Politics to me is perhaps the, is, is the biggest distraction in the world. And, and I, it's something that like just selfishly I get sucked into and it burns so much bandwidth. And then you, you know, and I've seen this kind of tussle in the libertarian community of like Bitcoiners being like, guys, like you're playing grandpa's game here. Like mm -hmm. that politics and voting, all these things, it's, there's a deeper fundamental problem here. Um, so I'm not really answering your question was what has shifted? I think a lot. I just, I have a hard time putting it in words and honestly, like listening to your podcast with, uh, um, you know, uh, Francis or Alec, um, you know, y'all, y'all, y'all put these, y'all, uh, put these into words much better than I can, like way, way more eloquently. I, it's hard to grip, but when I hear the, when I hear these podcasts, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I've been trying to say, right. but never been able to put into words. Yeah, well, you know, we have a lot more practice, I guess, is at least part of that uh, part of that thing. You know, when you you brought up uh, Christianity there, and in the DM you sent me, one of the ways you used to describe yourself was a reformed theologist. Can you maybe describe for me what that means? Okay, um, I think people look back. Yeah, okay, the first reformer, Luther, and. Um, and so his splitting with the Catholic Church caused a, you know, I think the Catholic Church, there's a lot of good things that they offer in the way of tradition. And so they point at Protestants and say, um, man, you guys keep fracturing over these, like, you know, the, the, the Catholic Church can say, look, we've had the same church that's been here since the beginning, and it has, and we've, we've held it together, more or less. And Protestants, well, y'all become Presbyterians, and then you're Reformed Presbyterians, and you're Orthodox, and then you've got your, all these different um, so, okay. So Reformed theology, I would say a lot of people would point back to John Calvin, uh, Ulrich Zwingli, and it is just a framework of, um, how, how is best to put it? I think the easiest thing is like, there, there's a principle within, in, or not a principle, uh, some, an idea within scripture of election, election versus free will, you know, and, and there's this, this, tension in scripture of like, hey, you know, Jesus says, I want everybody to come to me, but then there's some exclusivity, some exclusive statements of like, I'm going to separate the wheat from the chaff, and I'm going to burn these vines, and like, there's some scary stuff uh, in there, and um, man, I'm butchering what Reformed theology is here. Uh, <laughs> well, let me, yeah, if you want, I can reframe the question, because you, you touched on how this understanding of the base layer of society, which I think we would probably agree is money, has influenced your perception of what some of the societal ills are and how, how they might be ameliorated, right? So whereas before you might have reached for the religious explanation, for lack of a better term, to say, oh, well, you need more of XYZ in your life, this understanding has led you to feel like, oh, well, actually, perhaps before we go into that realm and domain, let's fix the problems that have been created by this corrupt base layer, i.e. the money. Let's see what remains after that. And then we can move into the, you know, the spiritual realms or whatever. And I'm, you know, I've been dealing, not dealing, I've been thinking 
about this issue a lot lately and trying to put into words uh, my thoughts on it, this, there's two things I think occurring. One is I think some of the principles that exist at kind of at the base layer of many faiths around the world seem to me to be instantiated in Bitcoin in, in certain ways, in perhaps most, uh, most profoundly in the fact that Bitcoin is an incorruptible truth. Uh, it also is something that sanctifies the divinity, the, the divinity of each individual. <clears throat> and those two ideas, I, I think, you know, are very central to a lot of uh, the faiths around the world. The other thing that's happening is it seems to be inspiring a renewed interest by previously atheist, agnostic, whatever people to re-examine these schools of religious thought for the insights and wisdom that they might be able to extract and then apply to their understanding of Bitcoin. And that's a really far out notion because why the, why the hell would that be happening? Why, why yeah. are you looking into these systems of, uh, of, uh, of faith and explaining the nature of reality and how people should act in it? Uh, what makes you compelled to look there for insights that you can apply to a magic internet money, a digital protocol on the internet? So that phenomenon, I, I encounter it all the time in my conversations with Bitcoiners, and I'm trying to understand why that is. But I'm just curious, from your perspective, has, has an understanding of Bitcoin changed, revivified, altered your perception of the religious enterprise, the, the pursuit of that type of knowledge? Yeah, I mean, I would say absolutely. And again, I'm going to struggle to put into words. Um, but there is the, uh, you know, what we call the orange pill or, you know, the, the matrix, matrix red pill. Um, there's parallels, I think, like the ultimate, you know, so a Christian would say the ultimate red pill is uh, resurrection, right? And so we would say, um, nobody does, nobody examines the Bible like this, but let's say you start in Genesis and you read the revelation book by book. It's, it's a beast. It's almost like, uh, maybe you get through De Deuteronomy and you're like, I'm out. I, tough, a tough read. So most people start in the gospels, but if you were to start in the old Testament and, you know, throughout the old Testament, there's prophecies, uh, about the Christ. And when you get there, uh, it's much like in the sixth sense, when you realize Bruce Willis is dead, you can't ever see that movie the same again. And so the Old Testament, you know, so Christ dies, Christ resurrects. You can't ever read the Old Testament the same way you read it that first time because, you know, people may disagree, but there are, the, you know, you're going to go back to the book of Isaiah and you'd be like, oh, you know, they were talking about Christ, like all these things were fulfilled in Christ. So you can't go back and read uh, the Bible. You can't ever look at the Bible the same again. Uh, you can, and it maybe it fundamentally changes your view of the world again. Um, you can't ever go back and watch the sixth sense like you did the first time because that first time you didn't know he's dead and you go through and it, it and you'll never unsee it. And so much like Bitcoin, once you have that panic moment of, oh, these are serious people and this is a very real thing. And there are all these problems and ills in society that maybe I've attributed to other things. I can't unsee it. And it's hard to to really put into words to other people, um, you know. What, what they're not seeing. I mean, it's, it, it, I, I think Parker was like, hey man, when you're bringing people here, if they're just like closed off to this idea altogether, like, you know, it, 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 and I know that Pierre Richard and they talk about Bitcoin as a religion, but in, in the same way, like when you're evangelizing somebody, you're talking to somebody about a system of faith, if they have no framework or understanding to it, 
it typically is, is um, they've got to come to you. Like there just has to be a trigger point that mm. they say, okay, um, I see what you're seeing. You know, there just has to be these, 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 these uh, trigger points that they're going to say, okay, you know, John, I heard what John said about this and um, but yeah, so it hasn't made me re-examine these things. Yeah. I think, look, I think people want things that are true and there's truth within Bitcoin, right? Like it, it is fixed. There's a, there's no, there's no ruler. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's a protocol by which we all abide. Um, and, and again, I think it just causes the, how about this? Um, just like, you know, as I re-examine all these ills. And so I had a very negative view of like the BLM movement, just naturally out of my, my political persuasions of like, you know, these people are just violent thugs and they, you know, and there may be an element of that within them, but then you're like uh, a more, a, a, a more thoughtful way would be like, well, dude, what are they, what's really going on here? Or, you know, that whole deal with the Capitol on January 6th, like, <clears throat> instead of just like, wanting to you know so i demonize blm like people would demonize the people and saying like what's really this unrest and again i would say the unrest is this they can't they don't know how to explain it they don't know that their energy is getting sucked away out from underneath them and they can't get ahead um and so when you take that pill and you realize like man i had this framed all wrong here's one of the most bitter pills i've swallowed is i remember in 2002 2003 we're going to war with iraq I'm from Texas. I had friends that worked in the Bush administration, like rah, rah, rah. Let's like, let's go get these guys. And I was, and all those people, all those, you know, degenerate hippies who are laying on Congress Avenue in Austin and, and they were right. And I was wrong. Like they got that right. And so that's a bitter pill for like a, you know, white middle upper class guy like me to be able to say, um, man, I, I got that totally wrong. You're like mm -hmm. completely hoodwinked. And these people got it right. So what are some other things that like I have? It, I think it just makes me question uh, more and more things. And so like the whole Corona thing, you're just like, guys, like go a couple level, levels deeper here, like start asking questions instead yeah. of just jumping to conclusions. And like Bitcoin requires more like a very uh, inquisitive or a curious person. Um, and, it, and it rewards like that curiosity and, and honest curiosity of trying to find something out. Yeah, I think that's part of the religious association and definitely not all of it. It's There's way more to it. But part of it is that it somehow instills a fairly profound change in perception, right? And by whatever means that works, like whether it's such an unknown that it it revivifies your curiosity to such an extent that it reformulates your, your entire perception or at least a lot of, a lot of it, Maybe it's that, maybe it's some other mechanism. But again, you know, I think what I observe, and it's, it, it applies to religious systems, it applies to trust in government, corporations, systems of thought, academia. I mean, this is the orange pill in saying that everything needs to be restructured, reconstructed rather in, in my mind, because I allowed myself to be conditioned or convinced or otherwise misled on a lot of different things and somehow this incorruptible form of base layer truth is the foundation upon which i'll reconstruct my perception and that means everything's on the table 
right? Yeah. It's not like I'm not making any assumptions about truth anymore. The base layer of truth has been established. Let's brick by brick, uh, brick reconstruct it. And so that means you look at government, you look at geopolitics, you look at medicine, yeah. you look at academia with fresh eyes. And when you do in a world that currently the base layer is a corrupt base layer, well, what do you know? You come up with the conclusion that most of it is corrupt or fraudulent or dishonest in some way, shape or form. And that's why Bitcoiners, I think, seem so divergent from the status quo culture. And I guess, you know, technically they are, but not in the in the sense like you mentioned, you know, BLM protesters, for example. I think we'd all sympathize with them and say, we know that feeling that something is wrong. Something feels incongruent, like, but they are probably latching on to a higher level symptom or, or, or assuming a higher level cause and reacting to that in probably a not super constructive way rather than getting to the root of the problem and trying to fix it from there first and then and build up from there. And so that's, I mean, that's what makes this all so interesting to me. It's like everything is on the table to be redefined and reconstructed now, which is somewhat daunting. But if you're a curious person and if you actually care, if you actually want to know how things work in the philosophical, economic, political, technological domain, few things could be more invigorating because you're like, wow, like the world is renewed in a, in a certain yeah. sense. Yeah. And um, I, uh, you always hear the thing of like <clears throat> Bitcoin, like you just have to approach it with humility. Right. And coincidentally, <clears throat> you know, I think like Christ was pretty clear on like, man, those who those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves are going to be humbled. And so in the same way, coming to it with a sense of like, hey, I, I don't really have all the answers. Um, and take, uh, you know, I think there was, <clears throat> there was an article, uh, I think it was called the, um, the rich, why the rich yuppie elite don't get Bitcoin. Mm. I don't know if you've read that article. I think that was Croesus, right? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. when I read that, I mean, I thought of the vaccine, what, why the rich yuppie elite don't get the vaccine. You know, like it, it's kind of that midwit or why rich yuppie elite typically, um, you know, don't get the gospel, right? It's always very poor, you know, it's, it's that uh, the, the, the bell curve midwit, right, right. you know, like, you know, uh, you know, Christianity only appeals to really poor, uneducated people. Why, well, why is that? You know, like they don't have the distractions of life and they are, you know, they, they need a daily bread and they're reliant upon something, um, whether they know it or not. I think like, and I don't know Peterson's status, but I, I've heard him say like, I, I operate, I approach the world as if God does exist. So in that he's approaching the world just through humility of like, there's something bigger than me. And I, it's impossible for me to have all the answers. And that humility drives a curiosity and it drives like, a, a curiosity about everything to yeah. your point like you 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 kind of question everything and your pragmatist may say well man in that exhausting like do you ever trust anything um what is it everybody not related to you by blood is trying to kill you that's kind of my response <laughs> you know um, but i think i think this is part of the reason why we see a and again i'm generalizing and some people don't like that but a a type of minimalization happening in the in amongst bitcoiners where like you refine your life down to 
what is either known or, or of high value or very important. And everything else, whether because of uncertainty around its purpose or value, or because it's lower down on the hierarchy of values, it ends up getting pushed out. Now, in the right. financial realm, this is partially because, well, do I want that frivolous expense or do I want more sats? Well, I want more sats, so I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to spend on that frivolous thing. But I think it also operates on a, let's say, a non-financial or, or non-physical scale where because our minds are being restructured toward having a, placing a higher emphasis on our own conviction around the truth of everything we engage in, it necessitates that we remove the things that are still highly questionable until such time we can revisit them and reintegrate them to whatever degree we, we think is, is rational or necessary. And, you know, this, this is kind of like the Bitcoin Zen meme or whatever, like when, when, when you're, the optionality for your future is stored in an incorruptible manner that you know is going to be there for you. And as a result, your anxiety toward the future is dialed down, right? You don't have as much uncertainty around the future. And then you're able to focus on the things of higher meaning and value in your daily life. Well, that almost naturally dissolves things that are less valuable and less meaningful. And your, sure. your life maybe becomes simpler, but richer. That's the thing. And, and, you know, so many Bitcoiners, if you ask them like, well, what do you see in your future? Well, I want a pretty simple future. I want to live in a natural environment. I want to build a family. I want to eat good food. I want to take care of my health. I want to have good relationships. It's like, that's all pretty simple stuff, but it's so rich and meaningful that it yeah. gets pushed way up in the, in the ambition and objective, uh, for, objectives for a, lot of, for a lot of those people. Um, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think, again, it really goes back to time. And I'm curious, what was the, the whole time, high time preference, low time preference, is that was safe kind of the first to put it in those two terms? Like, has that, I mean, the principles I have honestly, always been around, the marshmallow test. Yeah, but I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I mean, the way it's referenced now, everybody who says high time preference or low time preference invariably has read that book. Uh, mm -hmm. So that, that's what I would put it with. But to your point about, um, you know, Hey, what are the things you aspire to have? You know, the, the things of lasting value and meaning as opposed to whatever's cheapest on Amazon at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a couple, you know, a question I've, I've thought about is like, what was the last purchase I made that, man, I'm going to give to my children? Like, you know, I, I think we, we, I mean, God, we consume so much. I've got three, three girls. Um, we consume so much. How do we, um, you know, what are we, what's going to last? I, I, and I think that is what I'm more drawn to. And, you know, when, when, you know, coming from a system of faith, obviously my most, what's lasting to me is, is a, a relationship with Christ for my kids. That to me is, is preeminent, right? Beyond that, I, you know, I want them to be resourceful kids, um, things that um, add value to other people's life. But, but a kid that's never going to ask how to do something, they're going to like at least tinker and try to figure out first. Um, you know, that to me is like, like, <clears throat> I want this, those kids to be like, Hey man, those, those kids, like they, those kids love Jesus and those kids, like they're resourceful and they're Bitcoiners. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but <clears throat> I, I think, uh, th that is important of like building these things. I, I um, now are, are you a hunter? Have you, am I right in that? I've, I've hunted. I, went on my first hunt two years ago, I think. Okay. 
It's something um, I'd been putting off for a long time, but I, I will be for the remainder of my life when given the opportunity, for sure. Yeah. Um, so when you when you go through, uh, man, I think th this is so deep seated. And I think when you've had, is it Joel from Untapped Growth? Yeah, mm -hmm. dude, well, your your interview with him, perhaps like it 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 was a big eye opener. I, I sent that thing far and wide to a lot of people <laughs> because I mean, not even just the Bitcoin principles, but just this idea that man, our our um, our separation from the natural world has fundamentally shaped how we view life altogether and man you look at the parables in the bible and they in it, you know you plant a seed you water it you nurture it and in due time somewhere down the road like this will bear fruit and mm -hmm. so uh there's just a long time as opposed to man you can get fresh strawberries year round anywhere on the planet through amazon like there is no sitting and waiting and um where do steaks come from steaks come from the market you know like no do they come from animal an animal that had to give its life for you to eat and you've got to go and sit and wait and you know you're you're taking a life to 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 add to the flourishment of life and there's just this connection that's been severed um that i think really fundamentally the sacredness of life like you know we don't value we don't value animal life man look if you don't value human life, you're not going to value animal life. And there's just this warped circle that I can't quite put into words. I think that is. Uh... Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we, our technological mastery and the conveniences that it's established in our life have in many cases removed us from meaning, right? Like, as you say, when you can go into a grocery store and pick up the strawberries or the beef or whatever bullshit, you know, cereal or whatever the hell else it might be, and be completely untethered from an understanding of where it comes from, the sacrifices involved, the time, the energy, the labor, the, the uh, miracle of life that's involved in all of that fundamentally, and the meaning that's attached to that. Um, when you're totally cut off from that, like I, I, I feel like we end up in fiat world, like we always talk yeah. about, right? Fiat world is that world that's so detached from the meaning of the things we engage with. And as a result, people end up living meaningless lives or less meaningful lives. And yeah, I think hunting is, is, and again, one of the reasons why I think it's making a, having a resurgence or emerging in the, uh, the, the consciousness of Bitcoiners is because it's like you become face-to-face -face reconnected with that sacrifice. And to me, you know, what it, what it instills is not only are you, you know, taking responsibility, well, let's say more than like the animal lived a, a nice, natural, healthy yeah. life, wasn't in a feed lot, all that kind of stuff. But you're, I, you know, I don't want to take life unnecessarily. I value life right. and I think life is beautiful. And, but if I'm going to do it because I believe it's the best way to sustain my life, implicit in that is an assumption that my life is worth sustaining. And I yeah. want to prove that assumption correct. And the only way I can do that is by being extremely grateful for the sacrifice that the animal made and then making sure that in my life, I, you know, this might sound a bit cheesy, but like, how do I prove that it was like a legitimate sacrifice to be made on behalf of the animal? Well, I think I have to bring into the world more goodness than let's say the animal could have in, in a kind oh, yeah. of a weird way. Like I have to no, amplify no. 
amplify the the goodness, the divinity, the life force of that animal through me in order to justify that sacrifice. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, here's here's peak fiat is in my home and in, in my bedroom, my wife, we have a, a zebra like throw rug. Like, first off, I don't know if this thing's even real. <laughs> Secondly, it's just like, I didn't kill this thing. God knows where it came from, like that it, that it came from. You know, I, I think they say there's more zebras in Texas than there are, you know, there's all these exotic animals in Texas. There's more here than there are in Africa. Right. But it just is this reminder to me of like, I didn't kill this thing. Like I walk on it every day. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is just silly. Uh, but I think, I think this is, I'm, we're just obviously at the very beginning of all this, but I think Bitcoin being, almost again the relationship to religion it's like it's a it's a it's a principle a value that emer that is so high up on the hierarchy of values that it helps judge and evaluate all subordinate values and things that you might encounter and this yeah. this is why it informs so much how you move through the world because moving through the world is just always confronting a contrast of choices and your value system is what allows you to choose one or the other and move in this direction versus that and what I see emerging is like be because of Bitcoin, or at least in part, is that a value judgment for everything in life. And this is kind of going back to that point about the, the, the minimalist thing. And I think in the future, you know, minimalist may be a bit of a strong word, but there will be such a high emphasis placed on quality and not just like quality of craftsmanship. But like, what is the meaning and the relationship behind the things that you introduce into your life? So, yeah. you know, the, and the reason why your rug example made me think of it is because like most, in my opinion, in the future, people won't say that as much. They'll be like, if this is in my home, I know why it's there. I know where it yeah. came from. It has some deeper meaning to me than just it matched the black and white curtains and I bought it at the uh, pier one or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever place, you know, a hundred percent. Um yeah, I think that that is, uh, you know, there's also a balance of like, you know, I have a wife who has a good framework for Bitcoin, but she's definitely not like, <laughs> let's like, yeah. let's get rid of all this stuff. Um, well, we're so. all trying to balance, like, we're all trying to balance our insane orange pilledness yeah. with the people in our lives that we have to cooperate and, and, and live with, right? And I think, yeah. you know, it's great when there's there's couples that are both super orange filled, but most often there's a little bit of a, a difference between the two. And I think that's to be expected in, in this phase that we're in. And, you know, people often ask, do you think everyone will, will ultimately be like a, an orange pilled Bitcoiner and be as restructured as we are? Or will most people simply de facto accept it as money and not be as transformed by it? And I kind of oscillate between the two. On the one hand, you say, no, of course not. Not everyone's going to be so impacted. They'll just use it as money. They'll get on with their lives. They won't think about it that much, just like money today. Right. But I do think there is a propensity because of Bitcoin's qualities that it does slowly grind away on you and change you, even in mostly subconscious ways. So a lot of people, so I mean, I guess I ultimately, I think not everyone will become like a super orange pill Bitcoiner. But I do almost think some impact of using a sound money in the relation and how it changes your relationship to value and your relationship to the future. I think that's almost inescapable that it will nudge you and, and, and shape you in certain ways.
I, I would agree with that. I think that that article, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Svetsky, the remnant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's <laughs> Spetsky, the, the remnant. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, but that article on the remnant where he talks about Isaiah's job, um, yeah. man, I, I think that resonated with me uh, in that, like, yeah, like, I, so I, I may fall in the camp of like, I think he ultimately says in that, like, everyone's going to use this, like, they'll just never know they're using it. They're going to, they don't, they don't have the, the curiosity or the, yeah, the, the patience to like really deep, I mean, who says this like maybe it was sailor he's like do you think these people have spent more than an hour researching this stuff he's like man i've spent thousands of hours doing this like he has a deep understanding i i put myself into hundreds of hours it's you know of of reading about it um you know back to 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 spouses and making sure that we're not crazy man a major uh win for me was like uh, at church maybe two months ago all of a sudden like jimmy song walks into my do you know jimmy yeah yeah okay he he like he showed up in my church and i was like you know so he we go to church together now but his wife you know my wife meeting him and like seeing another normal person was like and then hosting that event <laughs> at my house like huge win right i mean yeah a really well-spoken normal person she's like okay this isn't as fringe as i had thought um okay okay uh like jumping back real quick as it, as it relates to, uh, we said, you know, questioning our assumptions and uh, what, what has been really interesting, one thing within, uh, and I mentioned this briefly, so I'm an attorney and we do, uh, we've done, we, we, we do asbestos litigation, we do pharmaceutical litigation, all these types of things. So for the past, um, for the past, you know, 15 years, I've gone to these conferences in Las Vegas, and the, and the premise of these conferences are, I mean, the, the trial attorney world, the plaintiff's attorney world is like a very progressive, uh, left-leaning um, profession with the United States. You know, large businesses do not like plaintiff's attorneys who, who are doing this. But um, so, man, year after year, when we go to these things, the, the theme of all these conferences Pharmaceutical companies cannot be trusted. They're putting profits over people. They're bad, such and such, such and such, right? Like they're, they're bad. And so like I've been brainwashed to think this and like, and that's what I've done. And I can tell you like wholeheartedly, man, uh, you know, like we're currently litigating something that this company has known about since 2002. And like doctors were warning about this and a surgeon approached us in Austin was like, y'all need to look into this, this, this drug. We do it. And sure enough, like this company has ignored these problems for, for like 18 years. I'm so not back surprised. To <laughs> we had this conference coming up and, you know, it'd been canceled the past two years and they're requiring a, you know, requiring us to, to be vaccinated to go to this thing. And right. I just, the cognitive dissonance of like, well, guys, like we're suing Pfizer and multiple other torts. We're suing Johnson and Johnson. Like, I thought you said these guys can't be trusted and they're evil. And it just, to me, the, the political red-blue divide of like, now they're saying, well, I mean, we know they're evil, but I mean, in this regard, we're going to have you do this. I just, it's pretty fascinating. Oh, it's it's absolutely insane. I mean, the, the, the in my opinion, you know, the whole world is under some form of uh, psychosis, hysteria, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, the cognitive dissonance is so great that I think you have to describe it as something pathological. Now in the, in the, in the Bitcoin space, you know, and, and beyond for those people that are, that are see that, you know, all you can do is throw up your hands and call it clown world because otherwise you get too angry by it because it's so absurd. 
So, um, yeah, I, and I would say you, being probably in Texas and Florida, these two places, I can't think of anywhere. Oh, I'd you're rather lucky, be. man. Yeah. But in the midst of this, I think something that was compelling to me is, is there's, you know, a few people on Bitcoin Twitter who talk about, hey, man, you may want another passport. You may want to, like, leave. And uh, so I went to my first Bitcoin conference this past year in Dallas at Bitblock Boom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met I met Francis, which was awesome. Like the guy's <laughs> such a character. And uh, so like I had a million questions for him, but uh, I think you know maybe he's gonna deny saying this, but he was like, look, ultimately like if Texas goes, like there's nowhere to go. <laughs> I mean, I mean, more I, or less like there's no sense in looking in Costa Rica or in other countries. Like dude, like Texas is the last hill to die on here. And at, like Parker Lewis would probably say the same thing. Well, it's hard to argue. I mean, mo- it's 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 crazy how sparse the options are in the world for a little bit of freedom you know well, a little bit Canada, of yeah no no i left uh in the end of may okay so, so you states are you in the no States? no i'm i'm, uh, I'm in oh, oh. central and south america at the moment okay all right yeah <laughs> uh, but 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 it's it's true man like i mean if you if all you want is a little self-determination in this life which i don't think is much to ask you got to be in Texas, Florida, Idaho, Wyoming, you know, red state US right now. Yeah. And even those places, I mean, the, the, they're coming for you, you know, and, I mean, and it's, it's good that there's some, well, it's good that some people are standing up for freedom. And in the US, I mean, this is somewhat of a contentious issue. Well, it's a very contentious issue all over the world, but it's, it's amazing to me. Well, and, and people don't realize the importance because there's so much hysteria going on and and psychosis of various kinds but people don't understand the importance of the the ability of the citizenry to resist the government right yeah. and that's why the second amendment is there right and so even though you have all these checks and balances and the perhaps the most brilliantly constructed system of governance ever there was a recognition it can still go astray yeah. and if it does there needs to be a final check on the balance of power of government, and that is an armed citizenry. And every other country in the world, pretty much, I, you know, I can't think of any that have as uh, you know, liberal uh, gun rights and laws as the United States, seem to discredit that notion and, and believe that it's not very important. But red states in the US, Texas being perhaps chief among them, do get it. And I think that's why freedom loving people, people that desire freedom and, 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 and understand the importance of freedom are flocking there right now. And so yeah. I think Francis is probably right about that. Because everything else is, is, is you know, it, let, let's put it this way, rights aren't rights, they're, they're temporary permissions, unless they can be defended. If they can be defended, then then, then they can be maintained. But if they can't be, then it's possible that they're just temporary permissions. Okay, yeah. So the uh, uh, Ernst Younger, <clears throat> how, how about this? The, to that very point, I saw this this morning. Uh, long periods of peace and quiet favor certain optical illusions. Among them is the assumption that the invulnerability of the home is founded upon the Constitution and safeguarded by it. To your point, in reality... It rests upon the father of the family who, accompanied with his sons, appears at the threshold of the dwelling with an axe. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, you know, the, the, you, you're right. And now I, I do wonder, uh, you know, if, I don't know. I, I genuinely, like, I, I, th- that remnant thing struck me because I, I apply, I, you'd be shocked how many 
like conservative-minded people. I mean, uh, granted, I'm in Austin. It's a little more progressive, but like really conservative-minded people just like willy-nilly. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think that willy-nilly what? You know, just willy-nilly. We're like didn't ever give it a second thought. Like these are people who like got who even had COVID, right? They they were sick, and then once that thing came around, they're like. They, you know, and it wasn't done because like, I really think I need this. Overwhelmingly, the sentiment was like, you know, it just, it'll make things easier. I'm like, yeah. man, like, I don't know. That, like, I, that <laughs> struck me so bad. Well, man, I think this circumstance and people's behavior amidst it will be uh, pointed to in the future of just the extent of the thoughtless submission and compliance that the fiat world uh, precipitated, let's say. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it's so thoughtless. There's so little thought and discourse around these extremely important and, and, and uh, um, what's the word? These extremely important decisions. And yeah. so, and I mean, we exist in a world where the discourse, the questions are no longer even allowed. I mean, how many more red alarm bells do you need when asking the questions and having the discourse is no longer permitted? I mean, that should tell any even partially thinking person that something has gone terribly awry. And yet, seemingly a huge portion of the world has absolutely no problem with it. And not just no problem with it, but is happy, even enthusiastic, to jump on the bandwagon to condemn the desire to have dialogue around the most important decisions we make as individuals and as a society. That's yeah. when you know things are dangerously wrong. Um, man, yeah, I, I think that, I think there's the the Australian. Uh, I never know which you know how that works down there. There was the, the the most recent one where he was saying, "Hey, man, if you're if you're vaccinated." And you're against mandates, like you're an anti-vaxxer. Like, yeah. man, like that with, that, with full crazy in his eyes, right? Like you oh, could dude, tell this angry. person, like, yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's it's unhinged, and uh, you know you, <clears throat> yeah, it, it really unhinges people. And so, um, yeah, how to navigate all that? I mean, it's it's I I tread I tread lightly because yeah. again, it, like people don't think clearly on this stuff. Yeah. Um, I, th I think you have to be a thoughtful operator in this period of time, because it is a very precarious time and it, it could easily become a very dangerous time. And being considerate about how you maneuver through it is very important. I mean, again, to Francis's point, I mean, I think you're in the best possible place you could be for, for many of the reasons we covered, but a lot of people don't have that uh, advantage or that option. And, you know, there's there's obviously a scrambling going on to try to preserve uh, freedom and, and promote it in, in various ways. But let me, let me ask you this, because tied up in all this, and I've talked about this a little bit on, on the pod and experienced it on a daily basis myself, like there's this extreme hope, right? That, that is represented by Bitcoin and what it can foster for the future of humanity. Simultaneously, there's a growing recognition, not that, I mean, we all had always talked about this, but like realizing you're in the transition period, going from you know, a world full of 
dishonesty and yeah. lies and fraud, et cetera, to one more grounded in truth and ultimately far better on the back end, more peaceful, more prosperous, all that kind of stuff that we often talk about. But being, it's almost like we were conditioned, we grew up, we developed in, let's, for, you know, for a broad term, say the fiat world. Yeah. So many of the signals that we've used to construct who we are came from the, the, the fiat world and were somewhat distorted, perverted, however you want to characterize them. And as a result, we as individuals are not who we might become in a different world, in a different culture. And so I think, at least from my perspective, yeah. what I'm experiencing now is even, you know, and I've lived my life trying to, well, align with truth and freedom and construct my own perspective and, and reduce the degree to which I've been susceptible to conditioning. But you can't eliminate it entirely. And, I, and what I'm feeling is like, wow, I, I'm not yet prepared for this degree of, of, of chaos, let's say, but I recognize that we're, if we're going to see this through to the other end, we probably will have to adapt and, and deal with the, the frustrations, the anxieties, the discomfort of becoming different people on the other side of this, such that we can build or be a part of a more, again, lack of a better word, sane world, like let's say a hyper Bitcoinized world. Like what I'm trying to get at is the emotional tension involved in what's happening right now, you know, seeing a brighter future, but also witnessing, you know, let's say the collapse of the existing world to, to varying degrees. For sure. You know, and I would say, uh, you know, contrasting, you know, not that I ever went to a gold conference, but gold bugs with Bitcoiners, and everybody says this, is like Bitcoiners are, are hyper optimistic about the future and, you know, gold bugs, and maybe it's just because they're older people. I don't know. But, you know, they're, they're just dour and they're like, well, you know, our, our best days are behind us. And like, at least we'll have gold and like guns and we can just survive. I'm like, dude, I don't like that future, man. Like, <laughs> I know. like get, give me something to aspire. Like I've got kids. I want to hope for something better. Um, you know, and again, okay. So, so your point of like, Hey, we, we have been like fundamentally, uh, Bitcoin is disorienting because it's a rewiring of like so many things that you've been brought up to think like, you know, for 40 years, I thought a certain way for the past two years, like I really have been, you know, past four years, but two years primarily, like really rewiring some thinking. Right. And so here's a question for you. And in, 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 in fear of not getting too like confirmation bias, because again, you know, we all, the Bitcoiners, we all listen to a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. What are, and, and I try, and I'm trying to go back and think are, what are some things you got dead wrong? You know, like, and, and I'm not even talking about life issues, but like, here's something stupid. Like, I remember the first time I ever heard about someone owning a Kindle and reading a book on a Kindle. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I would never do it. <laughs> now I like, that's what I read, right? right? Or you want me to hop into an Uber with somebody who like is driving around in their car? Like, that's ridiculous. And, you know, I was dead wrong on that. Um, and are there, you know, because I think I view Bitcoin as one of these things of like the people that don't get, it, I'm like, dude, you are just so wrong on this. Like, and I'm so right. So I do appreciate <laughs> that. And I think breed love is good about, you know, I think Bitcoiners are, are, are tend to be honest people like looking for, because it seems so apparent to me, like I have to be missing something. What am, what do, what am I getting wrong about this? And, you know, I don't want to like, you know, go Jim Jones out Jim Jones style, but I don't know. Well, yeah, for you, can you think back on things that like, 
You're like, man, I was like the war in Iraq. Like, man, I was dead wrong on that. I was in another bitter pills to swallow. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and speaking of Rob, like he has asked me before, like everything or said, uh, quoting some, uh, someone else, but everything comes into the world with a curse, right? And so what is, what is Bitcoin's curse? And that's an interesting question too, a little bit different than the one you're asking. Um, I, to be, I, this is going to sound uber douchey, but like, I can't think of anything and it, that I was super wrong about, but it may yeah. just be because I don't develop, I typically don't develop like super strong opinions on things yeah. until maybe they're more apparently true. But I, the one of the, the, the thing that I think about most is like, is this, if Bitcoin, if we're right about Bitcoin, then none of us are even uh, close to being bullish, you know, bullish is the wrong word, but yeah. appreciating the impact it's going to have, if we're right about it. Yeah. If, we're, if we're wrong about it, then, you know, we're spectacularly wrong. And I think a lot of us would think like the world is, is, is in a jam if we're wrong, because there's not, doesn't seem to be other solutions to rectifying some of the issues that we face. I, I have a piece around that because I think a lot of us are contributing to this or using this or believing in this for really noble reasons, right? For reasons of truth and freedom and yeah. peace and prosperity and, and equality and that kind of stuff. And so I think even if we are spectacularly wrong, like, well, we'll fail spectacularly, right? And there will be like some degree of, you know, there, it'll be somewhat of a noble fail, let's say. But um but I don't know, man, I wish I could answer you, you know, with a, a specific thing, but, uh, and I, and I appreciate the, the risk of being in an echo chamber, but I also think that that is a very appreciated risk amongst Bitcoiners, which is why every idea is scrutinized so much and why yeah. there's such a willingness to tell people that they're fucking idiots. You know, even if, <laughs> even if you don't like the language sometime, like I appreciate the sentiment, which is, like you found a you found a hitch or a notch or a chip in that logic or that idea. Great, grind away. See what see what yeah. remains after the pressure is put on it. And every group of people that gets excited about something can feed into itself and maybe have blind spots. And it's almost certain that there's some blind spots here that we're yeah. not yet addressing. But the ethos of of you know killing your heroes and being so adamant about truth and honesty is at least in my opinion the best approach to avoiding or mitigating the risks of, of blind spots yeah 100 percent. I, I the, the kill your the the kill your heroes thing is so is it's it's hilarious <laughs> they're some of the funniest people i've ever come across on on twitter it's unbelievable how funny yeah. some people are uh but yeah that, i think that, it's great is, yeah i mean dude you idolize somebody they're gonna let you down and i think uh you know, uh, you know, yeah, I, I hate making too many parallels between Christianity and Bitcoin because I'm sure that's no, not man. But, no, no. but you know, um, you know, Augustine talks about the hierarchies of love, right? And if your greatest, you know, if, if you've got kids and you love your kids, basically, if you're going to exalt anything, you're, when your hierarchy loves are get out of whack, which is, you know, God is, your, is to be your greatest love because he's, he's impenetrable, he's infallible, he's omnipotent, he, he can't be destroyed. <clears throat> your job, your children, your marriage, your kids, all these things are, you're like, you don't see any, any hearsts with a U-Haul behind it, right? Like, the, all those things are going to die. 
And uh, in the same way within Bitcoin, I, mean, I, I may be making a, a giant logical leap here. Um, not, not that your greatest, like within this community of like <clears throat> approaching it with humility and, and not of, hey, I've got, hey, I'm new to Bitcoin. Let me tell you what I found wrong with it kind of attitude and coming to it with like, hey, I'm going to submit to something that like, okay, it's been around. It's been through a lot of critical analysis. So my approach to is, isn't one of kind of back to what I said, is not one of uh, pride, but one of like, okay, this is, this is a big thing. And that's why I, I just kind of like shrug my shoulders when you see people approach it of, and I saw this when I invited people over to my home to ask questions, you know, everybody comes with a loaded gun of like, man, I, I got this. <laughs> and you're like, man, just like, you know, people do that with Christianity. Like it's been kind of time proven over time. Like there's nothing new under the sun. Someone's going to come up and, and have a new framework to address it. And they're going to code it in a different way, a different argument of, of why Bitcoin's wrong. But it's the same. It's, it's the same, the FUD dice. It's the same thing that people cycle through. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, no, I think it's a great analogy. And, you know, again, nothing to be, uh, you know, we're just spitballing here. And, and this is the whole point, right? Like one of the reasons why humility is not only necessary, I, I always framed it this way, these people that come in and they didn't have very much humility around, you know, what was going yeah. on. And then they were turned away at the gates by the, the mean cyber hornets or something Dude, like just that. just annihilated. <laughs> right, right. And, and my, my thing was always, first of all, if your quest for truth is genuine, you ain't yeah. getting turned back by a couple of meanies on the, on the internet. Right. I'm sorry, you know, I, I just, I'm not buying that. So you, you obviously don't, you're not genuine in your pursuit here. But in terms of the humility, like, I think that's part of what inspires this voracious uh, search for more insight wherever they may be held to apply to this thing. And because it's so unknown and en encompassing a full understanding of it, even if that's, if that's even possible, requires such a humility that it extends your curiosity almost out toward everything, right? Whereas the opposite of humility would say, oh no, I don't need to explore here, 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 and here, because this thing is in a nice contained box that yeah. I can easily comprehend. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, we're talking about very big subjects here. And obviously, I hope my musings on it don't, uh, don't insult your, your faith or anything like that. Yeah. But you could, you could say that, like, God is love. God is truth. God is the source of meaning. And therefore, a relationship to that is a genuine relationship to that is imbued with those things, right? It kind of comes okay. from those places. And I'm not equating Bitcoin to God, but I think that the fact that it ascends the value hierarchy uh, for people, at least yeah. in relation to how they value their time, their energy, their visions of the future, and how much as an instrument, how much meaning is is imbued in it for what it may be able to foster in terms of an individual's life and, and humanity and the future. Like, I, I think there's an interesting, a, an interesting relationship that develops there that is not dissimilar, if not in kind, but in how like a certain transmission takes place from the entity or the idea yeah. into mm -hmm. the individual. I don't right. know if that, and, that wasn't you know, articulated I, I super well. I but. follow, and I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't take issue with that at all. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, you have your, okay, and, and this, this whole argument gets cycled around with, like, the toxic mask maximalists 
and people who are like, hey, we want to we we want to be as loving and loving and kind as possible. So you know, your maximalists will and they will kick down in hey, like basically, hey, we're not going to debate this idea because we've debated it a hundred times. Like, and these people are like, well, that's not very kind and loving way to behave. Man, that same thing goes on within within churches, right? So your your far right wing would be. Um, you know, uh, so there's a, there's an author or a, a pastor in New York called Tim Keller. And he's like, you know, God is truth and love. And, uh, so truth to, per, you know, the truth is harsh. And so, uh, Christ spoke and like, I mean, he said some harsh stuff and, you know, the Oprah, you know, Christianity of the world, the love element is all they highlight is just like, oh, how accepting and loving and all these things. Like we're going to kind of flip over all that, like judgmental stuff in the Bible, like ignore it. And these people may only highlight the judgmental element, but really, you know, and, and it's a, it seems like a contradiction, but God is both of these things. Like, <clears throat> you know, like he, he hands out some very hard truths, uh, but he does it in a loving way. And I think in the same right uh, within the Bitcoin community, and like I, I take no issue with the to toxic max maximalists. Like I, if, if, I, if I had a more of an online presence, I, that's what I'd probably be with. like, dude, <laughs> we've debated this like multiple times, like, please just go away. Um, and, and so you do have this weird balance, you know, and like, hey, well, we need the freedom to be able to evaluate this. And I get the, you know, the, the toxic side saying like, guys, like all you're doing is you're creating a distraction for a bunch of people who are trying to find their way. Um, very much like Christianity. I mean, like these people are trying to find their way in the world and you're polluting it with like, um, so let me, I'm going to, you're, you're polluting their mind with doubt. Um, and, and Philip Morris, the, uh, cigarette company, mm -hmm. um, they, uh, they, they're, they're, I think it was, um, McKesson or Kinsey, whatever, one of these companies when, when they were getting all this, this, um, information was coming about about cigarettes being uh carcinogenic right that it causes lung cancer <clears throat> and so philip morris had their 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 uh doctors their surgeons go in and look at this and their experts come back and say yeah man like it's pretty clear like the science is clear like smoking causes cancer and they're like damn so we can't say it doesn't cause cancer they're like no you can't say that they're like but what if we said maybe it doesn't cause cancer like you're just creating doubt and uh, it's a way for them to get their nose under um, the nose under the tent. And so they knew forever, you know, th that this caused it, but they just create, they started writing articles that say, maybe there's other causes, maybe there's other things like, and so I think um, in the same way, I'm off on a tangent, but in the same way within Bitcoin, you get people who, 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 well, maybe these other things will work and maybe they will. Um, I don't know. It, it dilutes it dilutes what the truth is, is, hey, this, ki this kills. I don't know. Right. Stop me. No, um, no, no, no. It's, I, I know what you're saying. And, and not that I think they're mutually exclusive, truth and kindness, right? They can no. obviously be wrapped up together yeah. very often. But to me, it comes down to what's the greatest respect you can uh, pay to a person? In my opinion, it is the truth. It's not kindness. Yeah. Because the, 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 the you know, and Obviously, the truth can be subjective. It, it's it's what you believe to be the truth. It may not be a broader objective truth. Right. But you know, again, going back to these definitions of God, like if God is the truth, God is the truth of the structure of reality. God is the truth about how consciousness interacts with 
reality, right? Like, would you rather know the truth of that, even if it's discomforting or counter to your previously held notion, or would you rather the edges be rounded and softened because yeah. it's more comfortable? And I mean, again, the analogy to fiat world versus Bitcoin world is perfect here because the fiat world, you get to act as though there's no consequences. Consequences yeah. get rounded out, but really they don't get eliminated. They get pushed elsewhere, right? That you Because yeah. you cannot ultimately avoid them. Whereas Bitcoin makes consequences or a world predicated on a money like Bitcoin makes consequences causes you to confront consequences more face on. And that ultimately is beneficial, though it may be discomforting in the moment. And I think when, when we talk about truth and kindness, I mean, in my life, it's always been the case. I'd much, you do me a greater respect by telling me the truth, not telling me what I want to hear. I'd rather have the truth, you know, and, and one of the kind of not mantras, but things I have always said to myself for many years is I'd rather be tormented by the truth than coddled by ignorance. Because I can, I can, the, the truth is going to aid me in constructing the type of person and life that I ultimately want to become. The, yeah. the nice comforting words are, aren't going to do anything for me. They're going to, they're going to, if anything, they're going to be push me further into delusion. And I, I want to get out of delusion and into a greater clarity of, of what is. Yeah. It's like, you see that with addicts, right? Like how does a family deal with an addict? Like, are you going to like, do the hard the, <clears throat> that's why you know because these are your children your your child is suffering from an addiction like you can love them all or all you want but it may kill them right and you've so you've done the right you know you've done the kind thing but it, it ultimately killed them in a, a hard truth yeah is ultimately going to is going to be what they need to flourish yeah. um or cut cut ties so yeah do you no, think, I think yeah just a, a couple more for you man and, I'll, and yeah. then i'll let you go but do you think well, two things. I mean, the line of work you're in, and again, I don't know how much you want to go into this, but I'm kind of thinking there might be a lot of work because of the current yeah, yeah. thing happening in the next year, two, three, five, whatever it ends up being, sure. because, you know, you're probably just as aware of, you know, uh, the type of injuries occurring as, as I am. And I suspect that'll be an issue at some point. But the other thing is, has, has, you know, the last two years, as you said, how Bitcoin has started to reshape your perception. Has that caused any um, desire or change in how you approach your career and like any any thinkings about how you might move forward with it? No, you know, uh, uh, it kind of fits it. You know, I think, um, you know, I like I'm a person with some pretty conser very conservative leanings. But, you know, again, I work in a really progressive profession and so my colleagues are like I can't believe you're conservative my conservative friends are like I can't believe that you're a plaintiff's attorney uh, so I, you know I think it's it's contrarian um in its nature but to your point about like you know will this turn into you know what's going to happen with, like I've had plenty of people reach out to me people you know the, the basic stuff of like hey man I'm going to lose my job if I don't get this do I have any well Texas is a right to work state like man unfortunately like you don't you, you don't have any uh, recourse. Um, and, you know, will this turn into, I think, and again, I have not really researched it, but to my understanding, uh, they, they have like massive liability waivers on this. So will they ever, you know, will there be an accounting for, you know, people that, you know, you know, suffered a heart, heart trauma, heart attack, died? And like, I don't think there will be. I, I genuinely don't. I think people have so 
lost their minds with this, that, man, when you have the, the very profession that goes after these companies, um, kowtowing as it relates to this. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you're going to, you're going to, you won't ever, have, there won't be an accounting. It's crazy. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's such a massive industry. I mean, even before all this, uh, oh my gosh, that that government in many ways is is captured, at least as far as I can tell, like by the obscene money that this industry can can throw out and capture members and of government with, you know. So again, yeah. this this conversation doesn't happen in the public, but you know, if you care to look, it's obviously there, right. Yeah, I, I think the hypocrisy on like from both left and right, you know, like obviously the the right in this country has been very protective of the pharmaceutical companies and the left very critical. And then on this one issue, they've completely flip-flopped mm. um, where, you know, the right is now like, man, th these, these pharmaceutical companies are making a profit and they're like, well, guys, don't, this is what they've been doing. This is how they operate, you know? And the left saying, well, they're, they're you know, they have our best intentions at heart. Like guys, like we've, we've known that they haven't. And, you know, uh, being able to, to recognize that. And I think that, again, to me, I start with the premise and just like, you know, of very much the reform faith of like sin nature. Like we are all deeply hypocr hypocritical and have massive blind spots, but, you know, and we don't know what they are, but that's why they're called blind spots. Right. And, you know, a, with having an inquisitive and like a, the Socratic mind to walk through presumptions you have. And this is very much a Bitcoin thing of like, why just continuously asking why and, and going, peeling back the onion on things. And yeah, it has changed friendships in a way of, uh, oh, okay. To, to your point of, um, have you ever, there's an author named John Eldridge. He wrote a book called Wild at Heart. And it's, uh, it, it was a Christian book, but the framework is, I think, you know, people would call it toxic masculinity. He was like, look, the church has emasculated men over, over the years. And, you know, every man needs a dragon to slay. Every, you know, every bride wants a, wants a knight in shining armor. And so we've lost that sense of it. And so when I talk to people who, about Bitcoin, and they say, that's just pie in the sky. Like, you're talking about something like, you're talking about unwinding the very fabric of society that we're built upon. And I'm like, yes, I yes. <laughs> of course. Like, you don't want to go do this. Like you're, and they're like, oh, it just seems like a lot of work, you know, just like it'd be so hard. I'm like, dude, you and I are not going to be in a foxhole together. And uh, yeah, like you want to be around people that have like grand, grand ambitions and like, who doesn't want to like, you know, wield a sword and like try to, to do good. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. Like what we're doing, what, what we aspire to do and what we think this can be is like, it's fucking huge. It's awesome. Who don't want to be a part of that? Exactly. Like, where's it's, it's, adventure? It's, where's your sense of like, come on, man. It's the greatest call to adventure perhaps ever the greatest hero's journey ever. And to your point about this masculinity thing, I mean, again, I think our disconnection from the meaning and sacrifice and other things that constitute yeah. the world very much, let's say, promoted by the fiat system has disconnected us from elements of our nature that has have served us in the past and that are very, very important, but yeah. have been nullified by this system. So I, I don't think it's a surprise to see in a, an emerging, uh, like a revivication of both masculinity and femininity in yeah. like amongst the Bitcoin culture, if I can call it that, yeah, because sure. it's a it's a renewed... 
people look at it with these these uh, things with renewed eyes they reconstruct what it means to them and then they try to integrate what they find into their own life and what do you know these kind of like you know archaic or traditional or yeah. or archaic is the wrong word because it has a negative connotation but like a a reappreciation for the the differences between men and yeah. women and the value that they uniquely have and how together they constitute something greater than the sum of its parts culminating perhaps in life and family etc and that's like that's the most important thing yeah, there is 100% right yeah, and and the we complementary nature of man and woman to produce right. flourishing like it's it's biblical it's just like it is what it is and i think every system of faith coalesces around that of like th that is what life is and that's the only way for life to advance um you know and it's been uh, maligned it, and oh, it, it it's 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 been both maligned and because of the pressures and anxieties that the fiat system imposes the the constant deprivation through the the siphoning away of wealth and savings and security has made has has disincentivized you know that whole process right not only just expression of masculinity and femininity but the disincentivized bringing more humans into the world because there's a cost associated with it and people are less and less perhaps willing to bear that cost and, he, and if of course if they do if they do anyways if they do let's say irresponsibly yeah. the environment that is created for you know those new humans entering the world is is not ideal right and i think this is again why we talk about the strong families a lot in, in this, uh, in this space, right. We, and, and what that means. And again, we're going to take all the stuff from traditional definitions and hopefully we're going to add something unique, you know, something that Bitcoin allows us to access for the first time. And again, what's more exciting than that? What's more important than that? Yeah. No, I mean, like, and again, people that, that wouldn't want to get on board with that. You're just like, man, like I thought we had a lot in common. I don't know that we have a lot in common. <laughs> you're, you um, yeah, I mean, I like there's a group of guys that I met, like uh, I've got to be good buddies with a, a guy out of Dallas that we're on a text chain now together. A, a, an older guy out of Houston who's, you know, fat, you know, hyper smart. But uh, you know, once you find like-minded people, like I'm on a text chain with these guys who, like, I've only met at a conference, and like we're texting constantly with one another because there is just you want to be around people who, yeah, who share and who aspire to these things and. Uh, it's, well, it's the, like it's an it's it's an inspiring community yeah the conferences are so great because you're kind of on the same wavelength oh, with people and you connect immediately patrick I, i'm gonna let you go i just i gotta ask this one last one you take as much time as you need to yeah. answer it but has learning about bitcoin and you know because you're in the legal profession has it changed your uh opinion appreciation respect for the law in any way in in how law is constituted the role it plays in society that kind of thing i know it's not necessarily a short question but take it for whatever you like yeah um man i think i don't have i don't have a good answer for that i i think i i don't know that it, i don't know that it um Uh, like I'm, I'm way more cynical about things. Look, I, I think the law favors uh, wealth and the, the law is, you know, and I've known this like just implicitly within what we do. And I think Bitcoin has given an answer to, to questions that I had about why, you know, why is there this disparity in the, in the law? And, uh, and, 
and look at, uh, so, so this was, I think this is a good eye opener for people like me, uh, like the Rittenhouse trial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of us were like, God, I mean, this seems so unjust. Like the video is very clear, even like very progressive, like criminal defense attorneys would be like, that kid never should have been charged. And, and they're like, but you need to realize guys, like, like lucky for this kid it's a high profile case and people gave a lot of money like this stuff happens all the time and it doesn't end up it doesn't end well and these Mm -hmm. people so i um you know it's 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 really punitive like um the wealth disparity is is very punitive in the legal system for plaintiffs going up against large corporations for criminal defense uh, criminal defendants who are up against the state um, and the state wields uh, a, a ton of power. And uh, to Peterson's point about, you know, like you want the person who wields the sword to have the uh, the ability, like to have the 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 the, the demeanor to like sheath the sword, like right, right. and not wield it uh, unjustly. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it has reaffirmed my, my uh, view that, like, they're within the law, that, like, the fiat system has infected the law in, from, you know, those with means and those without means. And you look at the way bank fines, you know, all this is within the legal structure. And, and those with, with means, like, they, they're, they're, they're going to do well. Those without means, they're, it's, like, uh, disproportionately punitive. To those without means, uh, so yeah, I mean, like it has absolutely infected that, and there's just <clears throat> that that any any attorney would tell you that. Yeah, I always thought that quote from Peterson was great. You know, I think he got it. His interpretation of the meek shall inherit the earth is not that the weak shall inherit the earth, but yeah. those who know how to wield their swords but keep them sheathed will be the ones that inherit the earth. Yeah. And again, I I mean, it is. This is why I think, again, there's this ethos of being formidable within Bitcoin. It's like, be formidable in your finances, in your body, in your health, in your family, in every way, and then use your force as judiciously as possible, right? That's that's the best way to construct a life and a culture and a civilization. And I'm hoping that in the future that we're headed towards, there'll be less of what you just described and more, I guess, of, of what I just described. So, you know, that's part of the journey we're all on. Patrick, uh, this has been super fun, man. We can, really I'm sure we could, we could go on for hours and hopefully we yeah. will sometime, but I know you got a day to attend to, so I'll let you go for now. Was there any last words anywhere you want, anywhere you wanted to direct anybody or anything like that? No, man, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't not, I don't have a big presence online. I would just like point your friends to like good resources, help them through the altcoin casino right. and quickly. And, and again, there's way more resources than there used to be uh, two or three years ago for good, like good content. So man, thank John. I really appreciate what you do. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, brother. Happy Thanksgiving. Take care. Yeah, bud. Take care. Bye.